Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I am here with Matt, a.k.a. Mateus Baez. How's it going? All right. Hey. I uh, thank you for doing this. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, and uh, I've been following your videos and a lot of your work, and uh, I just uh, wanted to have a chat and get to know you a bit more and kind of talk about what you do and how you do it and, and all that stuff. So nice. Um, nice to for meet anybody you too, who might not uh, remember... Because, you know, us in retro gaming, we have very similar channels and similar names. So I guarantee you most people listening have seen one of your videos. But would you give like the short overview of what your YouTube channel is and the stuff that you do just to kind of remind (laughs) Well, the the short way of describing, it's just everything that's related to Sega consoles in general, I think. Anything from the uh, Sega Mega Drive to Sega CD32X. Haven't covered anything on Saturn yet, but may do in the future. Um, and I also eventually want to cover Master System and Game Gear as well in some sort of at some sort of level. Not sure what level yet, but the majority of the work and videos that I create are related to the development and doing dev on them. So we cover some unique things. So, for instance, Vix Doom port, obviously on the 32X. Um, we've covered bits and bobs by Chili Willy, who's done stuff on mm. the Sega CD and other things. And I generally just do anything dev related to, in relation to sort of the so like sixteen development to Sega related. Yeah, yeah, anything of that nature. Then you can guarantee that I'll be poking my nose around it and trying to find out about it. So yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's a bit of a delay, so we might, we'll probably step on each other's words as this goes. Hopefully by now everybody's used to what (laughs) doing Zoom calls over the internet's like, but there's still those few people that get enraged that uh, there's a delay and we can't react in time. So sorry to everybody, but it is what it is. But um, so I guess what always for me stood about your channel is they were very technical videos, but they're also to the point they weren't super long unless they needed to be, you know, they were as long as they needed to be. You never said, I get the impression that you never set out to make a 17 minute and 35 second video. You set out to make the video that summarizes what you're looking to talk about period. And then you're done. Correct. (laughs) You've absolutely got it in one. And, and this has been a problem for me over the last few years as well, actually, because obviously the YouTube algorithm is expecting videos of length and what i tend to produce is just enough to cover whatever i need to i compress it down and try to simplify it as best i can in order to get ex- the information that everybody wants to know out into a video so while some people will throw as many minutes as possible at it um, <laughs> to get the the, the, the runtime up i try not to, to to do that and just do what's required to to, to explain whatever it is so yeah that's such a pet peeve of mine and it's funny too that like once i found out that or maybe it's changed but at at one point the algorithm favored 10 minute 30 second videos and i looked back and saw how many of my non-weeklies were like 10 minutes and 20 seconds 11 minutes and i was like that's funny as hell i had never intended to all the weeklies obviously go much longer than that but all the a lot of the higher production ones just happened to fall uh, but you know, it, it changes all the time. So I just, I stopped caring. I just, you know, I just want to make sure I get a video that, that says what I needed to say. And that does drive me insane when the channels are trying, cause the 10 minute mark still, it matters for, if you want to add multiple ads or you want to control the ads and when they go in the video, it has to be over 10 minutes. So yeah. it does drive me crazy when people ramble on about stuff they don't even really know what they're talking about because they want to hit the 10 minute mark. And it's like, I almost wish they would just be honest and be like, Hey, 
I got to hit 10 minutes. So I'm going to put five minutes of video game footage after this. Please leave it running. If you want to support the channel, like, I'd have more yeah. respect for that. than somebody talking in circles about the same thing, the same wrong answer to the same thing. The M cable is the greatest device that's ever been released for the PlayStation one. Like, Oh, <laughs> so yeah. you give me an idea there though that now don't, yeah don't take this the, the wrong way but for the next five minutes after i've finished there's just going to be constant music and bits of video that have no relevance to this at all it's a sort of idea that you can get your followers to go oh i understand well it is a little bit easier in the video game world because you could just say something like, so that pretty much sums it up. Uh, if you want to see what the rest of the, you know, some more footage of this game, here's four minutes worth of footage. Yeah. So, you know, say if you want to see what it's like or something. But uh, Yeah, and it's weird. I have noticed people doing that recently, being sneaky and putting extended cuts of footage towards the end of their videos just to get the count up. So, yeah. I am 100% guilty of that, but when I do it, it's like my my video was nine minutes and 55 seconds long, and it's like I could find five seconds worth of filler that's not going to piss people off. I have no guilt about adding five to ten seconds to a video. If, you, if that's going to exactly. make or break a subscriber for me, they're probably not my audience anyway. Five to ten seconds, fine. No problem. So. Yeah. Um, so how did you how did you get started doing any of the the technical stuff that you were doing? Do you have a, a technical background, or did you just love the Genesis and start diving into it? Um, so I'm a program programmer by trade. Um, I do coding as a job. So it was around when the SGDK, so Sega Genesis Development Kit, started to really get going that I spotted it and started to look at it but didn't really take it at that point very seriously as in I wasn't actively properly developing with it I was just playing with it and seeing what I could do and it the the only reason I, I managed to pick it up so well was the fact that at university in my first year I'd done ANSI C which is basically what the SGDK uses as a language it uses C so from that perspective, I was I, I, I'm not the sort of guy that can write assembler. I, I can't quite grasp assembler in languages that are a bit too low level. So C for me was really good. It meant that I could get to grips with the SGDK and actually do things with it. And that's and I started to properly get serious with it when I started to look at the whole FMV thing. So um, the Sonic Mania FMV that I did. How many mm. years ago? I can't remember how many years ago it was now. A good few years back. Sort of Yeah, it was not too long after the game came out, right? So yeah. it's like five years ago almost. Yeah, it's a while, good while back. And un unknown to me that that ROM would actually be picked up by news, like media streams, and it kind of blew up, but it didn't blow up because I'd posted a video on it. <laughs> it posted, someone on Sega 16 posted a video and it kind of went viral. <laughs> so, and it got me thinking, I should really start posting videos of my work. <laughs> so that's kind of how, yeah. the, how the channel started. It started with FMV and has obviously progressed and has gone on to the games that I developed myself. And I thought at the same time that I really wanted to, sort of start discussing other people's work and tricks that people have been doing with the hardware and things like that as well on top of that. So, yeah. So that's kind of how we got to where I am now in terms of the channel and my sort of coding with the Sega Mega Drive Straight Genesis. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's to have to have the grasp of the stuff that you do uh, I mean, you would kind of have to have a programming background of sorts. And maybe I shouldn't say have to, because I do know a few people that their day jobs are wildly different. They're like an expert gardener, but they also code high end stuff in their spare time. Like, you know, there's always the, those few, but it just you had such you have such a grasp of the content you're talking about. And it makes it really easy to kind of, you know, it's kind of like Chris from Displaced Gamers, right? Like you both have this knowledge of it and you're trying to feed it into a funnel to get it out to people who yeah. don't have that knowledge. Um, and, and some of them, they're all good. Some of them really stand out though. Like the one about 
the 32x cd and how that has to buffer before it sends it like i had known that before but i never grasped it like you could hear a fact like you could hear that the world is round but until you get on a plane in new york and wonder why you're in alaska when you're on your way to taiwan it's like oh i get it now round as in like that's a shorter day okay like (laughs) that's that's the same thing with your videos and a lot of the stuff that you talk about people who have been in the scene forever have heard but with the visualizations and the way you explain it it's a it makes it yeah. click a lot so we all appreciate that thank you very thank much you. glad to hear it that's kind of what i always when i make a video that's the objective to try and funnel it down and get it to so that anybody can pick up that video and sort of go ah yeah so now i get it and that yeah that's exactly what i go for so what made you choose the Genesis? Was that, or Mega Drive? I apologize. I forgot you're in the UK. Well, the Mega Drive, was that something that you just grew up with? Or was it like a fascination that you stumbled across? Or Yeah, I mean, I started with NES, but I think Mega Drive for me was like the, the in terms of consoles and consoles I've owned over the years, the Mega Drive was the standout console for me in terms of that period of time. So it was like early to mid teens. That's, that's the console I was playing and, um, and have continued to play <laughs> even, even now. So, and so that's kind of, I think that's, that was a driving factor for me. Um, mm. And then obviously you kind of, as a kid, you always want to develop a game for, 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 a, for a console. And I think that's lived on, up till now as well so it's been nice that i can now write code for it and do things with it as well so it's, it's nice in that respect yeah absolutely it's funny when that age had the best marketing for video game consoles that i could really remember because while i don't quite remember anything from the atari era i was born in 81 um I, I've seen commercials in hindsight and, you know, there were just typical eighties commercials that you would find about a toy or anything else. And, you know, I, you see the commercials now for games and it's very much focused on the game itself as it should be, you know, at the end of the day, the hardware platform shouldn't really matter anymore. You choose your games based on what game you like, but just that Sega versus Nintendo battle that, you know, David versus Goliath, you know, the big scary Nintendo versus the Sega, like whatever, Whatever you want to analogy you want to use, like that was so brilliant. Remember that guy? Did you have the commercials with the dude yelling at the screen, like, "What do you mean you don't have a Sega CD?" Did you have that in the UK? I think we did. I think we, I, 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 yeah. In terms of ads, I can't really remember it that clearly, but I'm not sure we had that guy. (laughs) I don't think we had him. I wonder what the UK equivalent would that be. You know. It's very impolite if you have not bought your mega CD yet. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> we did All get... All my friends of the UK are like, oh, oh. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, tally-ho. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> that sort of politeness. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't get anything out. We, we did get American ads for, for it, from what I remember. Um, but it probably, yeah. I don't think we got that one. (laughs) Well, I mean, they would obviously have to recut all of the shots of them saying Mega versus Sega, but whatever. I was just kind (laughs) of, I I don't know why that just popped into my head, but I'd never asked that question before. So that's kind of a neat one. So when, when you've done all of the analysis of all these things, one of the things that did always kind of crack me up was the 32X CD. And do you think that that platform... (laughs) Even now with all of the tools we have, all the homebrew, could that ever be something that people really take advantage of for their own homebrew? Or will they always have horrible FMV games <laughs> just like they always were? And I Night mean, Trap, which I still thought that was the best version. <laughs> I mean, uh, the reason, yeah, we got all those games were because they were the easiest to migrate. Quite, it, all, it, it, it just required the buffering mechanism the same way that um mega drive and mega cd work together but obviously instead of sending it to the mega drive vdp you're sending it up to the 32x so it's kind of in terms of them having to make massive mods to that i guess it was easy for them to work out how to do but with um games that run on the 32x and use the mega cd that aren't fmb it becomes 
a bit of a battle because yeah because there's limited ram to work with so you've got the 32x with what 128k worth of vram and 128 of standard memory from if i'm recalling that correctly off the top of my head because i do forget um so <laughs> i may have to actually check that it's 128 isn't it <laughs> i have to pause there for a second I'm sure it's 128. How could I forget? Don't worry. Whatever facts that you get wrong, I'm going to get way more wrong. So uh, <laughs> no pressure on you for this. I fumble stuff all the time. But so, it's you know, with those, that kind of buffering, the 256. But, but still, it, it's more of a buffer than just going from Genesis into a 32X. So you have the background layer and the foreground layer. It's more of a buffer than that, correct? Yeah, you've got more of a buffer than that, but obviously you've got the increased color palette. So, yeah, so anything that you want to view in on physically on the 32X, you have to first load up into the 32X from the CD to then view within, you know, to, to, to write to the frame buffer to then view on screen. So... There's the delay between getting the data from the CD through the Word RAM to the 32X to then display on screen. Mm. And so you'd have to chunk things up in such a way that you'd have enough. Because let's not forget, within the 256K of, of, of RAM of the 32X that's used for working, you'd also have to fit the textures and the actual application that you're running. Because obviously right. the, the, the VRAM is... You can use a bit of VRAM for storing things, but predominantly that's for the frame buffer to actually show what you're seeing on screen. So, yeah, there's this, this crazy situation where you're having to load things into that 256K and keep it there and then use that to draw whatever it is, if it's polygons or whatever on the screen as well. And the difference being that if you're using the 32X with a cartridge, you have literally instant access to any resource that you need off the cartridge. So there isn't this mm. whole process where you have to pull things continuously off the CD to, to, to sort of then use to, 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 to sort of create or draw or whatever you're going to do with it. So, And um, is there, I'm sorry if I'm remembering this wrong, but when you're just playing a 32X cartridge, is there still a frame buffer for the Genesis layer or does it really just overlay it in real time? So it's still loading things into the VRAM of the Mega Drive. Um, from what I remember, though, you have to pre-load. So there was a game I can't remember the name of with a little flying um, bird, hummingbird. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Calibri. Calibri. And to do that, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of pre-loading into VRAM of the backgrounds. I actually spoke with Vic about this a while ago, and I think, yeah, what it's doing is it's doing a lot of preloading um, before the, the the level actually starts to, to allow it to do that. Um, and then it also, I think some of the layers in that game are actually on the 32X as well, including the little... Yeah, the I was experimenting with this the other day too. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been working on a 32x video for like two years now, and I just every time I want to show an example, I've learned something different. I'm like, oh, I'll just wait and I'll get to it eventually. But one of the things that I was noticing is that in most cases, the elements that you're immediately controlling with your controller are in the 32x layer. Yeah, and when I was hearing about having to buffer the Genesis layer, that made sense because even if you had to buffer a couple of frames, you're buffering background. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're thinking about virtual racing and the trees coming at you, if the trees aren't synced up to the exact frame that makes zero difference in your driving skills and like Mortal Kombat, right? If the backgrounds are scrolling at three frames behind the action, <laughs> no human would ever notice that because it's not part of the action. It's not your button press. It's not anything else. So I always kind of wondered about that. But I think there are Man, it's been over a year since I recorded the the split footage, but I think there are a few games that have a couple of controllable elements that are part of the Genesis layer. So I got to go back and rethink that before I finish the video. So yeah, I'm going to delay the video another year now so I can figure <laughs> that out. But it's it's all about balance and compromise with the 32x. Unfortunately, I mean, Vic has made a a 
an engine. I don't know if you've seen it, a completely 2D platform engine with scalable elements. Um, Is that the same engine that he used on Doom? No, no. He's written a totally separate engine for, 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 for 2D stuff with scaling. Oh, oh! You know, I I vaguely remember seeing him talk about that, but I don't think I've, I've yeah. dug into that yet at all. I, I, I plan to cover cool. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, sure which when. means we're planning to cover yeah, it. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah. cover your video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and he had such a game with that getting not only the, the it, it, I think it's it's tile based in, to an extent, but not in in, in the normal way of using tiles. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Um, and so he, he, it took him a while to get that working and to have it. So it would scroll at the, at, at, I think it's 30 frames a second. I think it's 30. I hope it's 30. Uh, and, and to, to, to draw all of that on screen on just the 32 X alone was it, it's so taxing to do and for him to try and fathom out how best to do it. It took him a while to, to, to work out exactly how to do it. Um, but he, he did it, and, and and there is some potential in that. So you could do an entire game via the thirty-two X alone, potentially, um, including these these flashes. That's scaling pretty elements. cool. Um, and now that Mister has support for the thirty-two X core, I think a lot more people are going to be interested in this homebrew development because the thirty-two X is such a pain <laughs> to get working on original yeah, hardware. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just being able to load up my Mister and just test a game on it. I just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where if you've never owned a finicky 32X, because I have had a couple people tell me their 32Xs always work perfect, and I always just get jealous because <laughs> mine never has. <laughs> None of the ones I've owned has. So going through that and being able to just drop your ROM onto RetroNAS, load up Mister, and poof, there it is. It's like that. Yeah. Uh, I won't get over that for a while. It'll still be exciting for the <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Fingers crossed. I mean, I can see the 32X if we ever get an FP, PGA implementation that someone can buy in the shops to use and plug into their Mega Drive in some respect, then I could potentially see more games coming out as a result of that. There is always the commercial element. I mean, there's always going to be homebrewers who just do it to, 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 to prove it can be done, etc. But there's always going to be mm. people who fancy making a game so they can sell it. And I think an FPGA implementation of a 32X could open that doorway potentially. Um, it absolutely would, but you would have to route the audio and video from the output of your Genesis yeah. to the input of this cartridge. And then yeah. you would also have to include an encoder in the cartridge. You'd also yeah. have to make sure that you had all of the correct circuitry to tap it so that you could generate composite video, which is pretty funny because for years there were people out there that said 32X made your Genesis games look better. And they were kind of right. They just, most people didn't understand why. And then of course, once RGB became more popular in the States, there were the YouTubers that said 32X made your RGB look better, which is totally wrong because you're just passing it through. But the truth is for any, you know, obviously Matt, you know, but for anybody else that's listening, the 32X is pulling raw RGB and sync from the Genesis. It's not touching composite video at all, unless you, uh, yeah, because even the the pigtail has the, touches the sync pin, not composite mm -hmm. video. When that gets sent into the 32x, all of those things are then mixed into the CXA 1645. It's so the 1645, right? Yeah, and not which is the newer chip than the 11. Uh, I'm forgetting the other uh, the number, but the, the original chips that were in most of these. So it absolutely is true that if you're using composite video, it's going to be generated better through the 32X because it's got the newer Sony CXA yeah. encoder in it. And it's also cool to see games like Calibri that definitely took advantage of that because just on the live stream a couple months ago was the first time I'd ever played Calibri in composite. 
because I didn't even have a 32X until I started getting into RGB and all that stuff. Yeah. And when I played the game, it was always, it was neat. You know, I liked it. I thought it was cool. But seeing the composite video blending on a PVM, what beautiful artwork. They really took advantage of all of those colors and they were able to do the, the dithering and the layers so nice. So yeah, if you ever wanted to see why people sometimes care about composite video, that's one of the most that's... perfect examples I can show. I should probably have a look at it myself. I don't think I've even <laughs> I don't think I've played it outside the world of emulation, to be honest. I may have to have a That's look at that pretty myself. funny because you know, when we have all these tools available to us, it's very easy to 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 forget some of those other factors of it. Yeah. So it's it's you know a lot of people seem to think that because I'm talking about composite video more, and a lot of us are, that there's a resurgence of composite and we're, we don't like RGB anymore. And it just, no, we just appreciate everything. It's like when I was a kid, when I started getting really into rap, a lot of my metal friends were like, oh, so you don't like metal anymore? No, I was, I was born with metal music running through my veins. I love it. But it doesn't mean I can't like something else. So... <laughs> Exactly. You're allowed to like more than one thing <laughs> in terms of <Yes>. preferences. <laughs> so just back to the 32X CD for one more time. I know I cool. uh, mentioned this to you or discussed it at some point, but is the buffering and the limited amount of memory that's available one of the reasons why you'll often find 32X CD games don't have as good audio as their regular Sega CD counterpart? If I didn't ask that question, T would slap. Me I, down me, so. I, I, I don't. I don't think it's something I can answer. I think it would be something I'd have to ask someone like Chili Willy. To be honest, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the fact that you are using, in terms of more colors, etc., that the format's slightly different, so you'd have potentially have issues in the audio quality as a result. So maybe there's no reason that they, yeah, they may have had to have downgraded the audio to allow for the, the high quality of video. Hmm. Because hmm. I didn't notice it on Night Trap, but that's really the only game I've played more than a few minutes of each with because I just <laughs> didn't really like the rest of the game. There's no, you know, if you're a 32x CD developer, I'm sorry, no offense, but um, but I remember Fahrenheit. I think was one of the ones that that really stood out, and I always wondered was it a bad rip? Was it you know what was you know what was the reasoning for it? So it seems like a plausible explanation, but I guess we don't have any solid it's, proof of no. that yet. It's very yeah. It, it it would be a potential reason, definitely, because, yeah, you, you're passing more data for the actual video itself. So unless they've done something special with the codec to do that, then... I mean, someone told me that they just applied... I can't remember. A while back, they just applied the additional colors over the top of the old video. But I don't, I'm not convinced by that because the resolution's higher from what I remember on the 32X versions. So... Hmm. Hmm. You uh, you mentioned Chili Willy a few times. Do you still talk to them? <laughs> yeah, been, been been literally talking him to him today. <laughs> really? Because I I've only interacted a few times. I mean, obviously a legend in the Genesis scene. Been doing this a lot of the stuff before any of us even got into it. But every interaction I've had with him has been positive or or neutral. And but it's always I'll send him a message. A week and a half later, I'll get a response and I'll see the response pop up and I'll go, oh, OK, I'm going to respond right now because obviously he's in front of his computer. I'll respond and a month will go by and I'll get another response. And then, you know, so it's like, OK, well, I don't want to bother this person anymore. I'll leave him alone. But yeah, I, I always wondered, like, are they really that hard to get a hold of or am I just annoying? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say you're annoying. I mean, I've pr he's probably been banging his head against the brick wall with me today um, because I've been trying to get my head around the Sega CD stuff that I'm doing in the video soon. Um, I've posted a couple of snippets in regards to it. It's to do with the uh, 512 color mode, high color mode that the CD can do if you if you do things in a specific manner. Um, and it took me a while to get my head around exactly how how the mode works. And I kept emailing. 
no, that no, I don't. No, you've got that wrong. <laughs> it means this. <laughs> so there was a lot of emails backwards and forwards, and me not quite getting it. But uh, we got we got there in the end. But yeah, I, I'm sure sometimes when I email, it's like, oh no, not him again. <laughs> <laughs> But in terms of the yeah, work it's funny. It every, every time I talk to a new developer, um, you know, I'll ask a quick question or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, you know, reach out if you ever have any other questions." I'm like, "Ah, uh, you sure you want to? You want to <laughs> yeah. offer that? Because I don't think you're going to be very happy when you get the next email that's seven pages long." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but no, there's no. there's amazing people in the scene that that are really into this. Yeah. So everybody's super nice to me. I really appreciate it. So. Um, out of all the stuff that you've covered so far, was there one thing that, that really surprised you? Something that you were like, oh, wow, I didn't realize it worked like this when you were digging into the Sega hardware? I mean, the the CD stuff, they were like two of the two f- first sort of couple of videos I did. Well, they were quite, there's quite a gap between the two of them, but I hadn't realized quite to what extent the A6 could do things. There are some things that I haven't covered in that I need to from that I accidentally missed out of those videos in terms of how, what, you know, potentially what you can do with it. So I think learning how the, the word drama, the CD works was something I'd, I'd never touched upon and always questioned, how, how does all this actually work? And then obviously after reading up on it, I was like, Wow, that is that is an interesting way of doing things. <laughs> Bizarre, but interesting. Yeah, I mean the C- hmm. CD as a whole was a is a, it's a very strange beast in terms of what how they put it together and what they thought of doing with it. Um, it really wasn't what I was expecting at all from a hardware sort of perspective. But yeah, that's yeah. pretty interesting. I've always kind of been fascinated by it. And weren't you just recently posting about? utilizing um the sega cd to add more colors yeah so that's so what could you just start from scratch and explain that because i when that was one of those moments where i was like yeah i'm not smart enough to figure this out without more of an explanation so uh, would you mind educating us on what that is i'm sure you'll have a video out on it too at some point but we'll call it a sneak pre sneak preview so this is what i've been trying to get my head around today um yeah, there there is a way if you switch the Mega Drive off CPU off and just leave Mega Drive completely alone, that you can use the the CD system to push basically color data to to, to the Mega Drive in such a way that um, so usually you'd be passing nibbles to it to 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 to, to do your palette, but you end up just like firing as quickly as possible as many colors as you can to the to the background color which is like a single color play placeholder um and you can basically do 512 colors if you do this method but the, but the problem is as a result of using this the method you also like halve the resolution horizontally um so you go from what is it from 320 to 160 and from 256 to is it 128 my maths is horrendous off the top of my head so you, you lose you lose horizontal resolution so what effectively happens is each pixel is twice the width it should be in in your standard res but at the same time you gain it as at the point you halve the resolution, you obviously gain all these extra colors as well. So mm. it kind of it's kind of it's it's a weird one. So you're sacrificing resolution for colors for color basically color depth. When you um, say color depth, do you mean how many colors can be on screen at the same time, or do you yeah. mean you're pulling from a wider variety of colors? Um, like so a you're, wider palette. Why it's the wider palette? You, you obviously you go. You, you pull from the wider palette and you also, rather than having your 64 colors over four palettes, you just have the wider palette and can choose whatever colors you want. Um, hmm. I've, I've got to script this, so I understand it a hundred percent myself as well, but it's kind of, you, yeah. So you're, you're sacrificing um, 
yeah, you, you're basically making a sacrifice of resolution for color, color depth, and it's yeah. What am I trying to say? <laughs> so no, that makes perfect sense. But as somebody who's not a programmer, the first thing that pops into my mind when I hear that in this context is a lower resolution but more colors. So does that mean you could find a way to load a Game Gear game through the Sega CD? Because you could just have the lower screen size, but more of the color palette. There's no reason. Well, hmm. I, I suppose there's the emulation element of it and everything else, which is a bit tough on a 16-bit. Um, well, but I mean, that's exactly what I mean. Is it Would, would it actually be emulation at that point? Or would it be... Because uh, I know the Game Gear is essentially a portable master system with stereo audio and a bigger color palette, so it's not directly translatable to the Genesis hardware if there wasn't a compatible SMS mode. But so with the Sega CD being plugged in, that would remove that possibility of tapping into the SMS components, right? Yeah, it, the, the Mega Drive okay. just becomes a brick at that point. Basically, the only thing that Mega Drive is doing is is spitting out the image. In fact, the the whole this whole method is basically what Mega Color does by the FPGA mm-hmm. inside the Mega EverDrive. So if you've mm-hmm. ever seen the videos from that, this mm-hmm. is I loaded my intro up through those. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the, exactly. So that that whole method of doing things is what we're doing we're doing with the Sega CD basically, but on a on not the same level. It's, 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 and since stuck. it turns off the Genesis, it's not like you could add that layer over a full Genesis background, right? So what it is doing is it is using it's using a single background layer to display. All it's doing is pumping. How do I explain this? <laughs> this is what this is why I create three minutes videos. Uh, <laughs> um, Sorry, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just genuinely curious and wanted to pick your brain it's just on doing it. Doing so. very quickly, it's changing the color palette. Single background layer. It's the, the background layer color. It's changing it very rapidly to create pixels of single colors on the screen. Um, <laughs> yeah so it is no, it's, that makes sense. Well, it's it's using the vdp but not in the standard sense it's 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 just like the vdp is there and the mega cd is just saying display this display this display this display this okay that makes perfect sense so that's why that's how you can't or you wouldn't be able to tap into the sms mode to use that and same thing with 32x even though the 32x supports enough colors for game gear games you can't turn the 32X in SMS mode to process them. So no. it's the same type of thing where you would have to have some sort of emulation. Yeah. I always thought it would be funny to have a, a Game Gear emulator on like the Mega EverDrive's FPGA for as like the core so that you, you're you running the core and then you're just pumping it through the 32X to get all the colors through, which is ridiculous because you'd have to have all of those different components together whereas you probably could just you know get a, a mister or something like that but <laughs> yeah. just for proof of concept i, I, I mean, thought it would i always thought that'd be hilarious that's an interesting one i mean this there's, there's, hmm. there's no i mean the fpga doom on the mega everdrive pro is is basically the cart doing all the work hmm. so there's no reason you couldn't use Mega color t- and create a Game Gear emulator. I don't. I mean, I don't. Hmm. I mean, if it's capable of doing the Mega CD, why wouldn't it be capable of a Game Gear? I mean, I don't know. Oh, I'm sure it would. About Same FPGA reason, like, to... yeah, you could load the NES emulator on it or something like that. But it, it's yeah. just. Um... Yeah, I, I just I like weird stuff like that. I don't think most people would ever sit down and choose to play a Game Gear game that way. I just thought it was a funny proof of concept experiment. I, it's a proof of concept that I think would probably work. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So what's next on the list for topics that you want to cover other than the color thing, of course, that we just talked about? You know, what what's coming up that um you know in the in the world of Sega development? <laughs> So I've obviously want to cover the 2D engine, scaling engine that Vic's done. Um, I'm going back to my old videos, my two old Sega CD videos, and 
I'm kind of polishing those up and adding the bits that I missed the first time in. Um, I want to re-record all that as well and get the audio up to date. Um, and there was one other video I was working on, which is totally gone and floated off somewhere. I can't remember. <laughs> um, there was one other. Yeah. It's not coming that to me at the moment. All the time. I have, I have a, a folder of scripts that I probably have 10 scripts written for videos and I probably have 25 other things where I just, I don't even remember what's in there. So occasionally I'll scroll through and be like, I got a free day. Is there anything I could punch out in a day? And I'll open up one of them and be like, that's a five page script. When did I write that? And then I'll <laughs> click on another one and it'll just say like, you know, don't be an asshole. Sega CD color palette. What? <laughs> what, what, is, what, is this? what the hell was I doing when I wrote this? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, I totally understand what you mean. Like, you know, so that just slips, slips your mind, but I, I just, I'm glad you're making them. I, I enjoy the videos and I also see some of the behind the scenes stuff that you work on with other people too. So it's uh that's yeah. kind of a cool thing as well, which is, you know, those don't always come across right in videos and you could mention it, but it's so hard to explain to somebody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like you could say like, oh, yeah, I worked with, you know, Vic and Chili Willy and I spent a week or two just refining this code. And that's a couple sentences, takes four seconds to say, but it does not do the justice of week long, <laughs> every moment of your spare time, you're digging into code, you're experimenting, you're, you know, and I, I try so hard to highlight all of that for all the people who put that work in, but it's very hard to convey working your butt off. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... Vic is still working on Doom. I mean, they're, they're, I think there is going to be potentially another iteration of it soon um, with whatever he's refining at the moment. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much. that a project like that. I think people tend to forget what, what's actually got into it a lot of the time. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't literally doing a ROM hack of the original. He literally took the source code of the Jaguar version and another version that I can't remember the name of. And you know, spent weeks like pulling it all together. And you just basically, he basically did a, yeah, a proper rewrite of the whole game. So it was, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a teeny tiny thing at all. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to know where he's going to go next in, in terms of what he's going to do. If, if he does anything, because um, mm. obviously, I, I while he was doing Doom, I roped him into doing the ROQ, the, the, the 32x video stuff, which he was totally, you know, not had no plan on doing. I just said, "Could you make 32x video better?" And he was like, "Oh, well, I know, I know something we could try and port." And he, there, he, there he goes. He's he's banged it out within a week. It's, it was a couple <laughs> of days, in fact, from what I remember. Just flabbergasted about it. And what the interesting thing is, is what he learns from he learned from doing that video thing. He then went back to Doom and so said, "Well, could I use this in Doom and vice versa?" So he's been, as he's learned about the hardware, he's been able to revisit that and also refine the project, the the, the video project at the same time. So, so one thing I've he's really got good at, good at it in terms of the thirty two X. I is, is is using both CPUs. I mean, most games I I doubt use them to the extent that he has and i think even now people are kind of scratching their heads on how how you do that sort of stuff um <laughs> but he's kind of really got to grips with it so is it potential is there potential for things to be ported over to the 32x with these methods on you know using using things like the everdrives but still technically something that could be loaded on an original cartridge 
that could do things like improve any kind of frame rate or slow down. Cause I know, you know, a lot of games don't really drop frame rates, especially like 2d side scrollers on the Genesis, but there are some slowdowns still. There's some things and you know, the, all of the bugs, I don't know, bugs was probably or quirks. All of the quirks that we remember are, 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 is there a potential to port things over to the 32 X with these methods in order to improve them? Um, or is there just, you know, it is what it is. What do you think? So in terms of porting and what sort of, what are we talking about <laughs> in terms of an example? Well, I'll try to give examples, but also please remember that I'm not a programmer. Right. So no, I could no. be asking something that's no, like, well, no. why don't we just send us to the moon so we can do gravity <laughs> tests, right? No, like, oh yeah, fine. asshole, just send us to the moon, right? But, <laughs> um, but things like, I don't know, like any any game like... Um, like X-Men, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there were a couple of times in that game where it would slow down with a bunch of stuff on the screen. And it was not a lot. It wasn't like the dark nuts in the in NES Zelda and some of those, um, you know, in some of the dungeons. It was not that bad, but I could vaguely remember some slowdowns. Maybe I could be getting that wrong. So having that ported over to 32X, and I guess that's, I should probably preface that question with how much hardware is similar. Is it a matter of, porting some code over and, and changing the redirects to where the, you know, where it's looking, or is it basically like porting it from the Genesis to the PlayStation or the Saturn? Is oh, it wow. that much so, of a different architecture? See, so you're talking about t- porting a Genesis game to the 32X. Yes. T- 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 totally different architecture. They're like, okay. they're like totally separate from one another in terms of, so this is, this is one thing that's quite interesting in terms of, how we when we speak about potentially having say um 32 x cd games so the the sega cd is a 68000 um machine that obviously runs on, runs on a totally different cpu to the 32x which obviously runs on an sh2 so you've got two totally different types of assembly language so you have to learn both systems in order to get them working together and that's that's part of the problem with this. Um, same same applies to the Mega Drive and the thirty two X. Basically, you've got an SH two and you've got sixty eight K. So you've got two different CPU architectures. So you have to learn how to code for the the Mega Drive and the thirty two X. So you have to learn to to code for both consoles. So it's it's not. You, you'd have to basically rewrite the game for 32X and do it that way if you were going to do something like that. Okay. Um, I I appreciate the explanation because that's kind of always the impression that I got. But, I you know, you see things like Sonic was ported over to 32X. Really? Um, now, that is something I didn't actually know. <laughs> so I could that. send you... I, I have a couple of different versions, but that was also the thing that I didn't fully understand is that that... Was it actually ported to the 32X chips or was it ported over to a ROM that you could burn to a 32X game, but it was actually only using the Genesis hardware in order to run it with maybe some 32X music elements or, you know, another overlay or something? Yeah, I'd have to have a look at that to to know what was going on. But generally, it would just be like getting the 32X to say, hey, can you do all this stuff that you usually do. Here you go. <laughs> that's, that's sort of... Yeah. So unless they've actually rewritten it so it runs on 32X and the 32X hardware's doing 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 the majority of the work, I, I it's an interesting one. I, yeah, I'd seriously yeah. like to have a look and at that. For the record, if you are the person or people who worked on that and it really is just running on the Genesis layer, I don't mean to insult you. I still think that was cool as hell. I like experiments <laughs> like that. I just wanted to clarify how it was working. <laughs> so Yeah, I'd like I don't to. want there to be seven or eight developers <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Bob, you oh, try yeah, making it work yeah, then. Like, you <laughs> tried to do it. <laughs> which, which would be fair because I can't. So yeah. I still think it's cool. I just, you know, I, I'm always interested in the why and the how, not just the what. So And this, so... Getting back to sort of the way Vic goes about things, obviously he's purely doing SH two stuff. He doesn't he doesn't touch the the Mega Drive generally. What he what he's done with Chili Willy is Chili Willy's worked on a lot of the code that the the Mega Drive's been doing. So, for instance, the Sound Driver um, is is running on the on the Mega Drive, and that I think that 
originated from something that Chile had had done, and the communication with the Sega CD is is probably a lot of it in terms of input is is Vic working with Chili Willy to sort of get the code base to work and communicate together. So he'll be uh, Vic will be making calls to whatever he needs to to communicate with the third, uh, with the CD. So there's 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 quite there's quite a, there's a there's a partnership going on in terms of how they go about developing things. Um, sort of lean on one another in terms of what they know, and that's I guess that's another reason why we may not see as many thirty two X games as we want, because there's obviously the need to to understand and be able to code for both. Um, but you know, time will time that, will tell. You know, that also brings up an interesting. An interesting question in that if you are a hobby developer that is looking to do something like this for fun and you want to make a game, but you want to have people play that game, are you going to spend the time to learn it on the 32X to develop it and then sell a 32X cartridge that how (laughs) how many people would actually be able to pick up? So there is that. And that's, you know, I always appreciate both sides. I appreciate people that are like, I'm going to make a Genesis game because I put, you know, a 5,000 hours into it. I got to get paid somehow. And I also appreciate the whole, like, I'm going to do this because nobody else is. So here, yeah. you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do and check this out. And, and so I love Vic's attitude about this stuff. He's just like, when it, when he first messaged me about, I think I, I maybe, I, I forgot which one of us reached out to the other, but there was definitely that very clear mutual respect of we're weird. We're into shit that a lot of other people aren't. And, you know, this is awesome. And I want to promote the hell out of this because this is a lot of work that not many people are going to be able to benefit from. So, but I mean, I guess now it would because he's applying all of his work to all this other stuff. So it is, it is kind of trickling down. Yeah. I, I fingers crossed for FPGA stuff. I think I, I'd really like to see this sort of blossom. And the other problem with doing 32X development that I didn't touch upon is that emulators aren't accurate enough to guarantee that they'll work exactly the same way on hardware. What mm. emulators seem to have done over the years is just emulate in such a way that they ensure that all the games that were created at the time work. But for for new developments, they don't take into consideration the quirks and necessarily the hardware as a whole. So with the second CPU, for instance, it kind of it doesn't really work in the way it should do in emulation. And um, he was seeing performance leaps that weren't necessarily there and things like that, because I think with the emulation of 32X, it tends to run a bit faster as well. So he needed people with 32Xs to be able to test. So that's kind of how I got involved, because I was able Mm. to see how it actually was. So... You'd be thinking, oh, this is this is this has increased the frame rate vastly, and then we'd run it, and it'd be, it wouldn't be as vastly as it could have been. But yeah, mm. <laughs> it was a, so. The FPGA thing is kind of a game changer in that, in terms of testing as well. Once it's up to speed, you'll you'll, you'll be able to test on the FPGA, and you'll get an accurate portrayal of how well it's actually running. So it's it's yeah. FPGA and on the flip side of things too, is you're testing in Mister and you're testing on these FPGAs. If you run into these bugs, I've been very lucky that everybody on the Mister team has been awesome to me. So I could only imagine that if you all reached out and were like, "Hey, I think we found these bugs," they would be excited because that's just you're bringing their work one step closer to the original and allowing you to also do things that you know it would be a pain to test on original hardware. So everybody kind of wins in that one. No, just one one big nerdy hug through the thirty two X. I mean, it's weird because you know I'm not I'm not when when prior prior to meeting Vic, I wasn't a major thirty two X avid fan or anything. But since it's kind of I've I've really come to appreciate it for what it was and and, and what was missed. I mean, there was probably a lot of potential in it. I think, but we just. We didn't get to see that because Saturn came in and it just, yeah. It yeah, I think anyway. anybody anybody who grew up in that era remembers the allure of what it could have been. And anybody who didn't looks back and marvels at how ridiculous it was <laughs> and why would anybody care? 
And then, and I think that's the perfect crossover. I think, you know, the different generations, because both people are now interested for different reasons. And the story is interesting, you know, the, the, what goes into it. But at the time, it could have been something pretty amazing. It could have been something that was a very big deal. And especially if they try to do something like make it easier to have cross-platform game, cross-platform games on the Saturn and 32X. Yeah. Um, which actually, that's another thing. Do you know how close those two architectures are together? Is it as far apart as the Genesis and 32X, or is it? I mean, they share the same CPUs, and right. what, what? And that's kind of how I believe the the FPGA for 32X kind of spun out. It spun yeah. out from the Saturn's FPGA, um, to they passed the, the CPU. Code yeah, it was SRG 320. Yeah. Finished that up and went well. I could do a 32X oh, yeah, score out of this and you know, I'll get to the Saturn later. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to do the opposite. I figured he would do the Saturn and then, you know, all right, well, look at all this work I already did on this. I'll get the 32X out. So that was, a, you know, what I just realized as I said this out loud, he did exactly what Sega did. He was like, oh, you know, I got these chips done. Let's send you the 32X <laughs> to hold you off until the Saturn comes out. Oh, that is awesome. I didn't even re- I didn't even put two and two together. That is very <laughs> funny and very cool. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just because it shares the same CPU doesn't necessarily mean that it would be easy to port games over because mm-hmm. there's a lot of other things wrapped around that and even just the CD bus versus a cartridge mm-hmm. bus, et cetera. So, I mean, so, you know, there's lots of extra graphical hardware, but from what Vic has said to me, there's no reason that some of the code that he's written can't be used in the Saturn version of Doom uh, hmm. because they're, and, and they're faster CPUs. They're the same CPUs, but obviously they're, they're faster versions of it as well. So hmm. you could potentially see that you could see the Saturn's version of Doom improved vastly by just porting over that those bits of code. I mean, they would obviously require a bit of tweaking, but in terms of, and, and, and probably, I don't think there's an open source code base for the Saturn yet. <laughs> Could be wrong. Someone might. Have I don't think so either. I, it would be it'd be the same over again, basically. And um, I don't know how much interest he has in in dabbling in Saturn. Maybe, maybe he will. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. I just. I, all of this stuff is awesome to me. So, I, you know, anything we get that's that's new for these platforms is just something that I appreciate. And I just think it's very cool that people are able to to still tap into these things and figure out how to do stuff that, you you know, even the original devs might not have realized was possible. Like even some of the Virtual Boy, I, I say color blending, but I don't mean plural. I mean singular color blending. Because, <laughs> But even that, the way they're blending some of the different shades of red together to give the appearance that there's more shades of red than there are and things like that. And you could only really pull it off on original hardware. Like th- That's all really cool. And that's stuff that you saw on other platforms. Like you saw how developers... Like, look at the original lineup of Game Gear or uh, Game Game Boy games versus right before the color came out. Those are wildly different looking games because yeah. the developers learned how to take advantage of these things, how to how to use anything they could to make it better, and that's essentially what you're all doing with you know the all of these other platforms. Is that you know if they had matured to the point that something like the Game Boy did, I'm sure other devs would have figured it out, but they had moved on leaving all of this untapped yeah. cool stuff to be figured out. Yeah. In terms of inspiring others as well, I think it's interesting that now the, the doom work is over. There's an, I kind of, I kind of um, said it would probably end up being a thing, but, but now we've got open Lara on the way as well. Um, yep. And I have been fortunate enough to see builds of that running. And I think we're going to be interested when that finally peaks its head up. It's um, it's looking good so far. Um, yeah, I think what really impresses me the most about that project is, unless I'm unless I'm misunderstanding, once that's finished, or even if it's just the first level, whatever it is, it's running on original hardware the same way that it would if it was released at that time period. So. Yeah. While I'm sure you could tap into the FPGA to get more power out of it, it also is something that you could load on a 32X cartridge and play it. And I just, I couldn't even imagine if that was a game that was able to be purchased back at, you know, the end of the, you know, the 16-bit era 
right as 32 bit stuff was coming out could you imagine tomb raider on the 32x it's just that might have actually sold that console well yeah it probably would have sold that console and it's just yeah i i it's 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 interesting to see how these things you know sort of one thing is spurred another thing on and i i kind of want that snowball to keep you know building up at this point um it's I, I, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by how that's running. Um, mm. I suppose using the GBA as a sort of start point, it, you can kind of. I mean, they're not too far off one another, um, but yeah, yeah, hmm. interesting. You know, you said something before that just made me. It just kind of made me think about it about how. Um, the second CPU in the 32X wasn't often taken advantage of. I wonder if that's something that could be used to take a game like Space Harrier and make it run at 60 frames per second. Because I could be remembering this wrong, but doesn't the 32X version of Space Harrier run at 30 frames a second, not 60? I'm not entirely sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't using the second CPU. Um, I, I the, the second CPU was incredibly underutilized. Um, I'd be very surprised if it was using it. Um, it's, I, I, but I have seen how difficult it is to get scaling working on on thirty two X. I mean, there, there's one project I I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but who's regularly pushing out stuff on Twitter of a plane flying. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, yeah, um, the name, I, I'm yeah. drawing a blank on the name, but I'm visualizing exactly what you're talking about, about the progress from that stuff. My apologies. I'll, I'll try to find that yes. and add it to the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and scaling on, they're doing scaling and it's it looks incredibly difficult to do and to, and to get flowing at a decent frame rate. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly why that is. It's, it's it must be something to do with fill rate or something. It's not. It's not that difficult to get it into the frame buffer, though. Um, I think it just might, in terms of complexity, it must must take quite a bit out of the console. It's kind of a sort of question yeah. you'd have to throw. I mean, over. obviously, all that stuff is super low priority because there's a million ways to play Space Area. I, I it's not my favorite game, but I like it very much. But just stuff like that, where if there's a way to go in and improve that, or to up the frame rate of 32x virtual racing from 20 to 25, like whatever, you know, it would be kind of neat to to see what what untapped potential there is for existing games with all of the new knowledge that people have learned through that stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, you've 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 gone very blurry. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the mine. buffering. Sorry, everybody. We've been having buffering issues this whole time. So hopefully the sound and video will come out great in post. But yeah, it's uh, one of us must have a bad connection today. Yeah, it's probably me. Do <laughs> <laughs> you live uh, way out in the sticks or something? Um, ironically not. I mean, I'm on the outskirts of Birmingham, which is like the second, oh. second city of the UK. And our internet connection is absolutely horrendous. So it's kind oh, of... Really? bizarre um but yeah um i moved so when i moved to the city my uh my wife had originally lived there for a while when we first started dating and i remember she had the slowest internet it was like dial-up speed and then it, when we were, we were in connecticut it was bad but it was doable you know you could watch hulu you could you know upload a video and i remember thinking when we moved to the city like if this is gonna suck again this is you know this is gonna ruin a lot of the stuff that i do we ended up with Fios, which was a gig down and a gig up. Wow. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then we moved out to the Burbs. And I used to take, like, my weekly videos would upload in about a minute. And it was taking 45 minutes to upload a video. I'm just going, oh, this is the worst. And then, like, a month ago, uh, Fiber came in. And I was able to upgrade again. So now I'm back to uh, oh, normal yeah. speed. So <laughs> we've had some blips. I guess whenever I see the trucks around, adding it to other people's houses, occasionally I'll get a blip. But I'm very, very lucky because I had a... Uh, a harsh reminder of what it's like to have slower internet. And I'm so glad that it's not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I miss being on a decent connection. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so 
this was awesome getting to talk to you. I always enjoy doing these and, you know, meeting people, you know, meeting people that I've been talking to for a while. And, uh, (laughs) You know, I very much appreciate all of the work that you do and all the YouTube videos and all the behind the scenes stuff that you've been helping out with. So um, is there anything I forgot to mention that you wanted to talk about? Any projects that are just flipping my mind at the moment? Not that I can think of. Hmm. No, there's, there's not. Other than my work, there's not a lot. <laughs> well, I'll obviously link to your YouTube channel, your social media, and some of the other projects that we were talking about just as a reference yeah. as a... I think people probably already going to know who you are, but it's easier <laughs> to have the links right there just to click on it. So I, I think any it. any 32X fan has seen your videos. <laughs> All nine of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to get a bit of a name for 32X. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll put that in the thumbnail. I'll just have a 32X <laughs> as your hat. Yeah. Oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> I bet you Mason could do that. <laughs> I'll do I'll do two thumbnails. We'll do a clickbaity one and then I'll have a real one that I'll switch <laughs> off later on. <laughs> Great well, ladies. thank you very much for your time. I appreciate doing this. Let's I mean we're definitely gonna keep it in touch anyway. Yeah. So any of your projects that you have working on, any of your videos, uh, you know, we're abs- absolutely gonna highlight them on retro RGB and you know, please keep doing what you're doing. Great to speak to you too. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs>